Welcome to the Rest, Eat, Move podcast by On Target Living. Hey gang, welcome back to another Rest, Eat, Move podcast. This is Chris Johnson. I'm with my son Matt today. And Matt just recently did a webinar on uh, eating and mental health. And one of the things he did a poll, started asking, what do you, what would you like to learn more about? Um, many topics came up, but one of the big ones was breathing. And so we thought we'd spend a little time on that. I have a new book coming out in the next month or so, and um, it's called Rest, Eat, Move. But I have a pillar in there, um, the, the rest pillar, and it begins with breath and breathing. So we talk, talk, we talk a lot about in our, our, our webinars, our live events, but I think we, I learned many years ago, Dr. Phil Nuremberger, the power of breath, and the more we talk about it and more the, the world talks about it, it's so imperative now to understand the lost art of breathing and how we can improve that. So welcome. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm on the other side. Good. Ask away. <laughs> Normally you're uh, leading. You're, you're leading. I'm leading today. So when you do some of your webinars or your live events, how do you begin talking about breathing or breath? Well, I did one this morning, and um, well, you gotta you gotta get them to think a little bit about stress, because breathing is, in my opinion, a lost tool. It's a lost skill, but we don't have to think about it. It's automatic. It happens without us even spending an ounce of energy. So you have to, I think, start with sometimes the problem and use it as the solution. And then I take them through an experience where they're actually breathing differently. And many times I think I, as I watch people and I have them close my eyes so I can watch them with it out, without it being awkward, their skin starts to crawl. They don't like to, to close their eyes and slow down. And um, so it's, I think it's a great tool. It's an untapped tool that I think all of us have the ability to use. And at the end of the day, I mentioned it's the only way internally that we can change our stress response. So it's pretty important. And when you talk about stress, how do you begin that conversation with people about stress? What, what, do, you, what do you tell them? Well, stress is melting us down. It's probably the number one issue when it comes to any chronic condition or health condition. And we have more stress today than ever before. And you could say that's the stressors. We have more stressors today than ever before. We're more, we have more access to information that can put on alarms for us. But stress is physical and it happens based on our reaction. So I tee it up that we have actually the ability to react differently. One of the ways we can react differently is think about our breath. So if we're in traffic, and somebody cuts us off and we're starting to create this stress response, being aware of your breathing can be, to me, the most powerful tool to correct or mitigate that stress response. So you just mentioned something about stress is physical. So walk us through a little bit about how breath can tame your stress or how it can, can kind of help the body relax. How does that work? Well, it begins with the autonomic nervous system. You have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, and you can think of them as yin and yang or 50-50. It's a little more complicated than that, but one's the gas and one's the break. And for most of us, the stress response we put on is sympathetic. And so we have to realize if we're on too much sympathetic, too much 
gas, too much accelerator, we need to pump the brakes. And one of the ways that we can pump the brakes is to change how we breathe. So with, if you back up and say, okay, I'm, I'm breathing. Right now we're both breathing. But if we have a habit of being chest breathers without us even thinking about it, the body actually sends some cues. It's called the Herring Brewer reflex that puts us into the sympathetic fight or flight. So let's just say as we age and our posture gets rounded or we're staring at a computer screen, uh, let's come back to that because I think that's important. Our breathing changes. And when our breathing changes, the body tries to figure out why it's changing and, and react. And one of the big ways is it puts on this alarm, the sympathetic. But if you catch yourself or you think, okay, let's change how I breathe, we can move our stress response in a positive direction. And we don't want to always be in the parasympathetic. We don't always want to be in the sympathetic. It's about that, that balance. I'm sure we'll get to it, but the biggest key is how many breaths are you taking per minute on average? And for the most part, the less breaths per minute, the, the healthier, the less nervous, the less stress you're going to have. And you mentioned thing real quickly about the autonomic nervous system. Walk us through that a little bit more, you know, basically just what is the autonomic nervous system and how does the, how does the breath affect the autonomic nervous system? Well, yeah, it's, so it's, it's a nervous system and it's an automatic nervous system. Um, you know, so think of sympathetic, this is going to be kind of that bear, we call that the bear response. So if you're, you get excited, you have, let's just say I have a presentation, I'm going to go into the sympathetic, I need better cognitive uh, performance, I need my heart rate to increase, I need, I need my focus to increase, I need my digestion to shut down. It serves a great purpose, we need to perform. So that's, if you, if that just happens too much, it creates this bear response or think about, you know, overwhelm or fatigue. On the other side of the equation, the fighter or the rest and digest, this is kind of where our digestion happens. This is where our, um, you know, sexual organs, they start to operate better. This is kind of when we're relaxed. And if you are in that state too much, it creates this possum response or the depression, as we call it, that um, you're going to have some atrophy. And so this nervous system is designed to kind of regulate um, temperature, regulate um, hormones, and, and it's designed to do it in some, some balance. And it's not like turn one on, turn one off. It's working together to create this harmony and this balance. And balance to me is a word that probably has been used too much. It's not about 50-50. It's just about having that ebb and flow. And as you mentioned, autonomic means it's automatic. You don't have to think about breathing at night, but you're breathing. You can change it intentionally how it affects your nervous system. Well, I don't think anyone wakes up and says, okay, let's, how am I breathing today um, until it's a problem? And so our job is to guide people to say, well, before it's a problem or if it's a problem, you can control how you breathe. And we can all consciously change how we breathe. We could hold our breath. We could take longer inhales, longer exhales, um, but it is a rhythm. It is a habit. And so for most people, they get into a bad habit of breathing. And the, the art is how do we slowly self-correct or change that habit? So let's jump in a little bit about, you know, how do people breathe? In my new book, I wrote a little piece here about the ancient Chinese called breath inhaled through the mouth, nin qi, or adverse breath. So... What's the problem with people breathing through the mouth versus the nose? 
Well, Beck, I talked about the herring brew reflex. When you breathe through the mouth, it's going to tend to use the chest. It's going to be very shallow type breathing, or they call it survival breathing. Exercise, you're going to have to breathe through your mouth. But this puts that, uh, again, that autonomic reaction. The body has neurons and signals, and if you start to breathe through the um, mouth, it's going to put you in that sympathetic fight or flight. Now, maybe it's a lower grade or not, not maybe like something's attacking us, but that chronic sympathetic starts to change many things. Snoring, sleep apnea, these all have to do with mouth breathing, chest breathing, holding our breath. And so you can see over a period of years, these habits start to, to change how we breathe. So the nose is the, um, what we call the nervous system switchboard it controls our nervous system. It controls our emotions, good and bad. So if we're not breathing through the nose, we're going to send some signals. If we're breathing too fast, inhale through the nose, it'll send a different signal. So this, these two exhaust um, pipes are much more sophisticated. There's tons of neurons in there that communicate. At the end of the day, our health is all about an orchestra of communication. And if your breathing is off, uh, that orchestra is going to probably start to communicate something that's not what we want it to do. And I don't think many people have really ever heard about nasal breathing. They've heard about breathing through the nose, but you're saying right now each nostril is a big part of the autonomic nervous system. Is that what you're saying? Well, each nostril and uh, the inhale and the exhale. So the right is going to be more of a sympathetic dominant nostril. The left is going to be more of a parasympathetic. When you inhale, that's going to be more sympathetic. When you exhale, that's going to be more parasympathetic. I, I listened to a podcast with Dr. Oz talking about Chinese medicine, and I've had acupuncture, and they measure three different pulses. So it's not just the pulse, it's the three different pulses based on breathing. So the nose is sophisticated. I think many of us go past the nose they just take we take it for granted some people have you know nose issues and breathing issues and mucus and uh, one nostrils blocked or the other but they don't think much of it um, from a stress response from a proactive thriving standpoint the nose and nasal breathing is to me again the most powerful tool we all have but we have to consciously practice it. And I've heard you talk, take people through. So take us through uh, like a 15 second exercise with nasal breathing. So what so, would you tell them? So yeah, sit up straight. So right now, if you want to sit up straight, unless you're driving um, and you can do this driving, just don't close your eyes when I tell you to close your eyes. <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're going to take our left index finger and we're going to block or close our left nostril. And I want you to take a, a three second inhale on the right and then a three second equal exhale on the right. You can close your eyes to improve your concentration. From there we're going to block the right nostril with our right index finger. Inhale three seconds on the left. Exhale three seconds on the left. Now we're going to repeat this three times. So block the left, inhale three on the right, Exhale three on the right. Block the right, inhale three on the left. Exhale three on the left. 
One more each side. Inhale. Exhale. Block the right. Inhale on the left. Exhale on the left. So, you know, if you do three times uh, two, so you got six and then times three, you can see that, you know, 30 seconds or less, we can change the nervous system. We can change our emotions based on how we breathe. And I, you know, I like to talk about mental health, whether it's anxiety, depression, even ADHD or uh, some of these other cognitive issues. And breathing to me, something I was never taught and I was ADHD for, I mean, you tell me how long I was ADHD for many years. Still Since am. you were born. St still am. <laughs> but nobody ever said or thought or taught, well, why don't we practice you resting? Why don't we practice you breathing? Because obviously I'm overstimulated. Obviously there's probably some type of sympathetic, parasympathetic disturbance there. So our, our breath can be so powerful and that alternating nostril breathing, it's an exercise to get very focused, very intentional with our breath. You're probably not thinking about a whole lot because you got to go to the next breath. You're alternating, so you're going back and forth equally. And the right nostril is sympathetic, left is parasympathetic. If your right was blocked and your left was open, that tells you probably in a maybe a calm state or maybe a withdrawn state, you know, not trying to diagnose anyone. If you're Right is open, left is clogged. You're probably overstimulated. And so you want that balance. But it, it's not always that black and white. I think everybody, especially in medicine, is like, what's the, what's the cure? This isn't a cure. This is an exercise. Right. And, and this, I, and yeah, this and I, exercise to me is something everybody can do. And I think what do. you just said, it just creates this breath awareness. And that's where it begins. It begins with this breath, breath awareness. And then you get real specific with the nasal breathing. And predominantly, most of the day, you want to try to breathe through the nose 24-7, besides what you mentioned earlier, maybe exercising or talking or drinking. Besides that, you're, drinking, you're just breathing through the yeah, nose. Yeah, now let me talk about, so I was doing some research uh, off topic, but I stumbled upon screens and what it does to our breathing. So when you're looking at your computer screen, typing email, it doesn't even have to be negative, could be just scrolling the internet. We tend to hold our breath. And it, if you think about it, why, why would we hold our breath? Well... Screens are very stimulating. The light, the content, you know, social media, there's a different thing every two seconds. And so, you know, holding our breath is a way of kind of a, a stress response, maybe an overstimulation. So I think we're chronically becoming worse and worse at breathing as we are exposed to more screens and more information. And you would never really know that unless you were measuring or tracking your you're breathing. Some of the wearables are tracking respiration and that stuff is coming. But I think we have to, uh, like we say, listen to the body a little bit more, be in tuned. We know what kind of cars and couches and clothes we like to buy, but very, very little information on, you know, how are we performing? How are we functioning? And breath is, to me, the first marker for function. Three, two, one. Hi, this is DealBot5000 from On Target Living. There are many deals this coming Cyber Monday. Special holiday bundle savings, including two bottles of Alaskan cod liver oil, two packages of spirulina slash chlorella tablets, two cookbooks for $15, and more. Are my circuits on fire? Because these deals are 
hot, lol. All order between November 17th until November 29th included in a drawing for a $469 value giveaway. Cyber Monday week at shop.ontargetliving.com Yeah, one of the things uh, Stephen and I were talking about in one of our last podcasts is your health keeps score. And we know when we do the Know Your Numbers, one of the scorecards we have at the bottom is is how many breaths you take per minute. And then when you ask people about, you know, are they a nasal breather or mouth breather, they have to think about it. And if you're a chest breather or diaphragmatic breather, they don't really quite understand. And then if you ask them how many breaths do they take per minute, no, no chance there. So, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, blind spots that I think a lot of people have, especially when it comes to breath and how powerful it can happen. Yeah, you, you need to know how many breaths on average you take a minute. If you are trying to thrive and, and maybe mitigate health issues mm-hmm. and you can't, you know, in first grade, they should have known how many breaths am I taking per minute? Because if I'm taking more, but that's, this is, this is newer, it's not new, it's newer kind of research. It's newer mainstream. You know, meditation when I was in school was not really a an answer. Well, as as stress has gone off the rails and mental health is going, we're starting to realize we we better start looking into some of these things a little. And deeper. as you mentioned earlier, it's a skill we can all teach that doesn't cost a dime. It's the most valuable skill because focus is our most valuable uh, action, our performance outcome, and it all comes down to your breathing. I mean, you played uh, high-level golf in college, and now I know on the professional tour, both men and women, you can see, you know, their heart rates. You can see, and I remember one of the PGA um, professionals got COVID, and his respiration went up three to four breaths per minute on average. And he didn't. This is before he actually had COVID, but he probably was already sick with it, and so his respiration showed up right away that he was more stressed physically. Yeah, and and I think I think breathing is very physical. You might think, well, my heart rate is based on fitness. Really, what we're talking about today is the nervous system, and so it's breathing is so powerful for what it can do psychologically. And if it can if it can lower cortisol and balance some of your um, brain chemicals, uh, to me, that's something we got to look into deeper as a. As yeah, an again, exercise, this, a procedure that people right. can. Well, and again, this isn't the topic today, but you know, when you talk about gut health and inflammation, all that, you have to have a balanced nervous system. And as you're mentioning, it's the fastest way to change that. All right, so step one, um, we really want to be aware of how are you breathing. And a big part of that is beginning with the nose and maybe doing some exercises, such as the nasal alternating nasal passages, but really breathing through the nose 24-7 and then get real specific. Number two is talk us a little bit about chest and diaphragmatic breathing. Well, again, uh, back to signals. So when you chest breathe, um, it's going to send that signal automatically. Most people have never heard of it. You're not going to hear it. The herring brewer reflex automatically kicks in when you use the chest. It's the the fight or flight. Because I always have been taught, you know, when you take a deep breath, you know, you expand your chest. Well, your chest can expand, but if you're right. just relying on the chest to pull that oxygen, it's going to be very limited. So your diaphragm is a powerful muscle. We say it's the second most important muscle in the human body. 
um, because it, it's like a vacuum and it can start to oxygenate the blood, which then you get more oxygen, you take less breaths per minute, the heart doesn't have to work as hard. And then the neurons and the chemicals that it sends, uh, the vagus nerve is attached to the diaphragm and it connects to the brain and it tells you to relax or go in the parasympathetic. So using the belly, using the diaphragm, releasing some of that tension that people hold, they, you know, you go, you just went to a high school reunion, everyone's probably holding in their stomach. These are things that, you know, tight clothing, sitting at a desk, it's easy to create that kind of stagnation inside the, the belly, which changes how you breathe. And so you mentioned, so if I use the diaphragm, it stimulates the vagus nerve. And I guess before we just jump to the next thing, what does the vagus nerve do to the nervous system? Well, the vagus nerve is a chill is a chill pill. It's going to tell us that it's okay. So, it, it, you know, whether you think back of why these things have evolved, how they evolved, if we're taking calm and even breaths. So if you're taking, let's just call it five seconds, inhale, five seconds, exhale, equally balanced uh, breaths using the diaphragm, it's virtually impossible to be anxious nervous. Now, once you're anxious and nervous and doing that, it's not going to drastically change it because it's, it's sending a signal to the body. Everything's okay. Think about it. If when you're nervous or when you have someone startles you, you hold your breath. Sure. You, yeah. you shallow. Breathe. I try to get your kids to do that on Halloween. Yeah. You know, and, and let's just say you played hide and go seek when you're trying, you're all excited. It's hard to get that respiration under control. It's because your nervous system is already kicked on in a different way. And it's saying, oh, there's some nerves here. There's some emotions. I got to give some more quicker breaths. So everything is designed how it's designed. I, I think wherever we're at is where we're at. The key is where do we want to go? And breathing is a powerful tool. You know, and we talk many times about one of the fastest way to lower blood pressure is breathing through the nose and using your diaphragm. And people don't like, what are you talking about? I mean, it's not an angiotensin drug or a diuretic or a beta blocker. No, it's changing well, how you breathe. And, blood pressure is a nervous system issue. And so the fastest way to regulate or downregulate the nervous system is going to be breath. Or as you mentioned before, you've talked about calming your mind. Or calming your mind, your brain waves. Your, so, your um, uh, you know, br brain chemicals, norepinephrine and adrenaline and serotonin these are these are all powerful communicators that are being signaled from something uh, i mean the more you think about it it's such a skill that if i can learn how to calm my mind and relax my body my so adhd i was adhd and the medication the common medication some type of stimulant amphetamine so you're putting out gas or you're putting out fire with gasoline in my opinion you're overstimulated so you add a stimulant well, let's talk about maybe there's a dopamine, a serotonin, and all these chemicals can be communicated. One of the f fastest ways to communicate better is to change how we breathe. And it's a habit. So right. Yeah, it's a skill and a once, habit. Yeah, it's not going to correct it for right. a lifetime, but you slowly start to adapt the body. The diaphragm is a muscle. And you, I mean, you, I didn't have a cadaver lab in school, but you did, and you've seen... Healthy diaphragms, unhealthy diaphragms, it's a big difference. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, one of the, yeah, again, to go back in time, I don't think I've ever told you this story, but we had a cadaver lab at Michigan State University, which is, you know, I mean, it was fantastic. And 
Um, we had a gentleman that was 43 years old and he was killed in a um, motorcycle accident. So here's a guy who was very vibrant, very physical. Everybody always wanted to be in his body. And he, oh, by the way, he had one leg. Mm -hmm. And so his piriformis was, you know, I mean, it was gigantic. But one of the things everybody knew about that was his, his whole chest cavity and the diaphragm and how vibrant it was. And so this guy was a physical guy. And then when you saw, you know, some of the seniors, they didn't have the muscle tone, but again, their diaphragm looked like a little shriveled up banana. So talk, talk us a little bit about keeping your diaphragm strong as we age. Well, I mean, and I'll throw it back to you on some of these, but you know, obviously the diaphragm breathing, how you breathe is going to start to stimulate that muscle. So if you use it, um, you know, the terminology is uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. Same thing with the diaphragm. You got to use it. And the way you use it is you start to practice and become more of a belly uh, breather. A note, you know, nose and belly breathing to me go hand in hand. You can probably, um, it's very hard to do, but you can be a chest breather and a nose breather. You could be a mouth breather and a diaphragmatic breather. So it's not quite the same, but I like to categorize yeah, them goes together. together. So breathing is going to be probably the the best thing to stimulate that muscle. And then you talk about, um, you know, pelvic floor strength and, and some other abdominal exercises. If you have too much weight in your abdomen, it's going to be harder for you to belly breathe. You're not going to have that, um, you know, flexibility in the, the cavity there. So there, I think it's muscular, it's, um, it's neurological, so when you're using it, it'll start to trigger when you're you're breathing. But you know, I throw it back to you on some other ways to. You wrote the book on what are some top ways to exercise. Well, I, your I was always listening because when I first got into bodybuilding, you had to practice going up on stage, and you had to look. It was illusion of looking, you know, really bigger than you were, like puffing yourself up, and you had to really draw your diaphragm in. So you actually had to practice it. And you had to be able to do that and hold it for a long period of time. So you could, you know, create this vacuum, but you actually had to practice it. And then I started reading about Franco Colombo, was the Sardinian um, bodybuilder, one of the strongest guys. And he was five foot six. And I was always fascinated with him. He beat Arnold in Olympia one time. And and he could blow up a hot water bottle in less than a minute blow it and, and burst it. So he was talking about the strength of the diaphragm. So one of the things we try to do, or I try to do with some of my clients, is have them blow up a balloon. And when they can do that, and some of them can't, then they realize they don't have a lot of strength in the diaphragm, which gets back to, it's not always bringing the oxygen in the body, it's can you get the carbon dioxide out of the body. Well, that's probably more important. It's more important. So the big thing when you think about breathing yourself while you're listening or watching on this uh, podcast, you wanna be able to, can you exhale? And so when people are coming out of COVID and their oxygen levels are so low, they need to use a spirometer. An easy way to do that when you get home is to just do a, a birthday balloon. Can you blow it up? Well, I remember when grandpa had, well, I don't know, his first or second uh, open heart surgery, you know, they, they bring you the tube and you got to blow in it. And it's like, okay, can I get to 15? Which is, I mean, you're talking low grade. You could blow, I could blow candle out from across the room right now he couldn't blow a candle out you know six inches in front of him so yeah that's a cool thing you back to the the carbon dioxide i think we are so fixated just because it's probably easier to understand of oxygen like we're we need more oxygen i was watching a movie with the kids and 
they're talking about, you know, we, we inhale oxygen and we exhale carbon dioxide and the plants inhale carbon dioxide and they exhale oxygen. But it's that exhalation that I think is the most limiting because many of us inhale way too much. Right. And we have very shallow exhalation back to the parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system. Your exhalation is the parasympathetic movement. The inhalation is the sympathetic movement. That is very, that was very interesting when I learned that because me myself, when I'm going and I inhale very rapidly. So I, I have very little breaths per minute, but now we get into the finite details. Well, are they equal? Are they balanced? Because I'm fit. I can, I can kind of hold my breath for a decent amount of time. That doesn't necessarily always. So the number is important, but how you're actually getting that number is also important. Yeah. So the, I, you know, I'm trying to passively um, exhale longer, you know, slower and inhale shorter and, you know, not require as much. Because I think sometimes when you work on that breath and you really work on the full exhalation, you start realizing that's where all the trash, you got to look at the trash, get out. But if you don't give you enough time to do that breathing and using that diaphragm. And again, I, I like doing the balloons because you can see, is it short little puffy breaths? You know, I, I had a client the other day, he couldn't blow the balloon up, period. And it really hit him in the head, like, I need to work on my breathing because a big part of his health is we got to get his heart and his diaphragm and everything else in better shape. And so he kind of poo-pooed it and then realized that he couldn't blow up the balloon. That was a problem. And then as you get more comfortable with it, you can have longer exhalations. You can blow up the balloon without having as many breaths. And I think that's now you can start seeing Well, it, it makes so much, again, wear and tear. If we, if we don't need the heart to work as hard uh, in a chronic inflamed oxidative state, then it's going to probably last longer and the vessels are going to be healthier. But yeah, I, I think we, uh, the hardest part of is blowing up a balloon, but most of us are thinking about taking in more oxygen. How do I get more oxygen? You know, you go to Vegas and there's oxygen. It's really the more important is how do we exhale right. the carbon dioxide, which is the waste. So yeah, got to get rid of the waste. And if, and if we don't get rid of the waste, we're not going to be able to. All right. So the first thing we talked about, or you talked about is the breath awareness breathing through the nose and the nasal exercises. And we moved into the diaphragm, how powerful it is, how it can, you know, basically relax the body, um, stimulates the vagus nerve, the parasympathetic nervous system. And the last piece here, let's a little talk about the speed of breathing. Yeah, we were kind of just going into that. You know, one before we go in the speed of breathing, I, you know, I wrote this down because it's interesting to me. Um, how do we actually lose weight? Like how does someone actually lose weight? It's through the breath. You know, I never, no one ever taught me that. that did anyone teach you that in formal school? You know, where does the weight actually get released? Obviously your bowels and your urination and all these things. You got to sweat more. Sweat more. You know, going to the hot, you know, going to the hot But the sauna metabolic and, yeah, thing that actually happens is we lose weight through our breath. And again, it's back to when you, we create a hierarchy, the number one thing on the hierarchy is our breath. We only last minutes without breathing. Some of us can do more minutes than others, but it's so important. And when you think about it, wow, it, it's more than just oxygen in, oxygen out. It's 
it's transporting weight. So if someone's not breathing correctly, you know, maybe weight's something that they're not going to. So weight is always one of those hooks, but it, it kind of resonated with me that the, our breath is a lot more sophisticated than just and as the breath action. improves across the board, the mind gets better, gut health gets better, everything starts to work, organs work better, everything about it. I remember back in the day, you know, we had a pool when you kids were growing up. And I remember when I was in, you know, exercise physiology, we talked about, you know, pH balance and how you buffer your pH is, you know, hyperventilating or hy speeding up your breath, which we're talking about right now. We're trying to talk about slowing it down. But if you... If I did that at the end of the pool, I would hyperventilate. I could swim under the water a lot longer. And you guys were always like, how can dad swim so far underwater? Well, I was kind of I was kind of hedging my bet. I would do the hyperventilation. So But what's happening there? Why so then why do you can go so much longer without oxygen? Because you're buffering your pH. So as you get into more an alkaline state, so for example, if you're hyperventilating and you're trying to do that, what you would do is you breathe in a brown paper bag and you breathe carbonic acid. So that would get you back into balance. The other, you do the opposite. So it really, it just, just kind of shows you that the breath can move you in lots of different directions and you have the skill to it. So for example, if I'm really trying to get my, you know, if you talk about Navy SEAL breathing, what are the, why do they do the, the box breathing for Navy SEALs? Because they're trying to get them to ready to go into battle. Their energy level's higher. So they breathe four breaths, they hold for four, they exhale for four, they hold again. And when you start holding your breath like that, or, or maybe even speed it up, your energy level goes way up. But what we're trying to talk about is how do you get people to more calm down? Because that's not that, that people need to have more energy many times. They, they could do that through breathing, but it just shows people that whether it's relaxing or increasing energy, it's a skill we have right at our fingertips. And that's why we're doing this podcast today. So so walk us through a little bit about, you know, we talk about breathing. You know, one of the things I, I was looking at this, and Dr. Phil Nuremberger was kind of the catalyst on this years ago, but the average person breathes 20, about 22 breaths per minute. So what's wrong with that? Yeah, but I think the average is 15 to 20 across the board, probably, like you said, breathing closer to 22. We're not breathing well. Um, what's wrong with that? Again, you have less oxygen. You got more carbon dioxide. Your the your neurons and your nervous system are going to be going haywire, or maybe they're running too hot. Um, your hormones and all those things are not going to be communicated. So there's there's a plethora of, of problems with that. To make it simple, just think wear and tear, wear and tear. If we're breathing, you know, you see some of these things that you got so many breaths in your lifetime. Well, <laughs> that's not true. Some people don't breathe correctly, and they're going to have more breaths in their lifetime, but that's probably why they're not going to live as long. So if you did the math on it, it gets down to, if you're doing more diaphragmatic breathing, it might be eight, 9,000 breaths in a 24-hour period. Versus, yeah, what's the, what would be the other? Versus 22 to 25,000. There so you just, go. So, so that's a huge difference. So simple, just saying, which one would you prefer? And the other <laughs> thing is those are better breaths. So. 9,000 better breaths versus 22 shallow. Again, it's the difference between a quality breath versus a shallow, uh, poor quality breath. And so we want to get closer to that 8 to 12 marker on average of breaths per minute. You know, and if you're meditating or practicing it, you probably could get it, you know, four or five breaths per minute. That's not that challenging. But on a 
24-hour basis, we want to get close to that average of 8 to 12, which then makes you more cardiovascular fit, more cognitively fit, because everything's operating at a much calmer pace. So you mentioned earlier, what would you consider a, a perfect breath from a time standpoint? What, you know, there's a, a, again, there's lots of books, a couple new books that came out. Um, just to make it easy, I try to teach people a five second inhale, five second exhale. Um, me personally, I think it closer to like seven or eight inhale, seven or eight exhale is I think more in line with what's possible. But for the average, five in, five out, and that gives you about five breaths per minute if you if you do that exercise, give or take. Now, the box breathing, and there's some information on holding your breath, and there's some reasons behind all that. You may wanna inhale for four and exhale for seven. And so you can start to practice different ways, and I don't think there's one right way. I think we need to learn a little bit of the science, but introspection of we have to do it inside yeah, first. Yeah, and I like the idea of five and five because I think it's pretty simple and it's easy for somebody, but boy, that will get them right down to, you know, that five, six breaths per minute, which is now you're starting to create a skill that they're not going to be doing that all day long, but now they're going to be more aware of it that they could come back to do that. And the next thing you know, they're averaging 12 to 15 breaths on average throughout the day versus, you know, 18 to 22 that's a huge difference. Big difference. And you're going to more energy. You know, this morning on my presentation with the group, energy is our most precious commodity, but nobody has energy. And one of the top Google things is, why don't I have energy? Because you're not breathing right. That's, I would yeah, say, I think that's it's number just, one. why don't I? And then it doesn't will, finish it. It will self populate to, why don't I have energy? Uh, or, why am I exhausted? And there's a lot of reasons, but breathing's a big piece. So again, back to we're on our phones a lot, we're in our computer, we have poor posture, uh, we're not exercising as much. All these things lead to becoming, I don't know if it's called lazy breathing, but it's not healthy breathing. And um, I, I truly believe we need to use it more of a marker of optimal health versus it's really not talked about, you know, palmologists aren't talking about it. They, they study the chemicals. They don't study the actually. Yeah. And I, I like what you're saying there. It's let's look at optimal health versus, you know, just trying to survive. So again, simple thing you could teach everybody is how to breathe. So let's, uh, let's kind of, as we wrap this up, let's summarize what we want, kind of take key takeaways for uh, the listener today. Well, I think number one, where are you at? You know, we talk about self-awareness. This afternoon, tomorrow, right now, just measure how many breaths you take in a minute. And, you know, get a comfortable spot. Don't hold your breath. Just what comes naturally, inhale, exhale equals one breath. Count it for a minute. I do this exercise with people laying on the floor. Very rarely is anybody under 10 breaths per minute. So chronic stress, not as fit as they want to be. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two is start thinking about it, being conscious about your breath. You know, if you feel stressed or you feel anxious or your brain's racing, you know, have some mindfulness and say, how am I breathing? That's what mindful is, is it's energy in the present moment. So take some intention. How are you breathing? And if you feel like you're holding your breath or chest breathing, start to breathe through the nose, 
use the diaphragm. Um, and then do some of these exercises, whether it's the belly breathing, you can put weight on your belly, laying on the ground to strengthen that. Doing some of the exercises with the balloon could be the alternating nostril breathing. You know, one exercise, if you have anyone that's ADHD, if you have anyone that's got anxiety more than they uh, can deal with or cope with, because we all are get anxious, but if it's, sure. you know, breaking us down, um, you know, do that alternate nostril breathing and, and kind of ask yourself, how do I feel after this 30 seconds of getting my breath awareness in, in order? Those are some of the steps. So again, step one, where are you at? Where are you at? What's your awareness? How many breaths are you taking? And then number two, you're going to get into, um, you know, the awareness. Am I breathing this through my nose? Maybe do the nostril breathing. Be mindful breathing. about it. Yep. Be mindful about it. And then it. do the exercises. And then do the exercises. Make sure as you're taking a deep breath in, the diaphragm is being used. Again, be aware of that. And last but not least is you're kind of slowing it down with maybe a perfect breath. Could be five seconds, five seconds, and then play around with that. Yeah, and 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 do it over a course of time because you're not every day is not going to be the same. And um, it's the most valuable tool that we have. It's not, it doesn't cure everything, but it's it's to me at the foundation that's usually bypassed. You know, we talk about nutrition, hydration is always bypassed, but these are these are essential for the next thing to operate the right way. Yeah, like we talk about taking one step at a time. This is a big, big step, creating this awareness around your breath. And that's why it's the autonomic nervous system because it's that important. <laughs> and if we, whatever you want to believe, if we had to think about it, uh, we wouldn't survive because obviously we don't think about it enough. So it's been hardwired because if you don't breathe, things don't operate. Yeah, I told you this story, but I want to get my colonoscopy more than anybody wants to listen to it right now. But um, I did that about a couple of years ago before COVID hit and I'm laying on the table and your mom's in the room with me and I'm laying there and the nurse says, you know, you're bradycardic, your resting heart rates are at around 47, 48 and bradycardic's under 60. And I said, yeah, I'm familiar with that. And she was really nice. We talked back and forth and then she left the room. I'll be back in 10 minutes and take you away and away we go. So I'm hooked up to the monitor, I can see my blood pressure, I can see my heart rate, and I start working on my diaphragmatic nasal, slow breathing, and I got my resting heart rate under 40, and so she comes back in and she says, your resting heart rate's like 38, 39, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, my, your mom says, you know, he's just, he's just a goof, he's just working on his breathing to see how low he can get his heart rate. So then she started asking me all the questions, well, how did you do that? I said, well, I started using my diaphragm and nasal. And so it was kind of interesting to me. She didn't even know, how did I do that? How would I do that? But it's not being taught. And um, it should be taught in our schools, to our teachers, to our health professionals. And it's a simple art that we've gotten away from that, you know, as Chinese medicine or Eastern medicine or whoever you want to talk about, more and more integrated medicine, they're all teaching it. And it's something that I think we everybody can learn. Well, and then one last thing. I mean, so we can go deeper, but it's not comfortable for most people to just sit still. And so when you don't sit still, you're probably not going to consciously be paying attention to your breath. You So you can only pay attention to one thing at a time. So if you practice this and your mind starts to race, bring your attention back. So it's an exercise not only for what it does physically and mentally, but it's an exercise to improve focus uh, it allows us to be a little more still and, um, yeah, it's a great, you know, practice it. And if you feel uncomfortable, 
it, you're answering your own question. You need to do more of it. Well, what you said at the very beginning, you lay people down and do the exercise and they can feel like their skin's crawling. They're not used to the stillness and that's probably what they need the most. And again, we're not used to being bored either. So, uh, you know, if we're overstimulated and we become these shallow breathing, hold our breath, it's going to lead to a lot of issues. Now, will it show up tomorrow? Like if you, if you breathe bad today, you're, you'll be fine. But it's over 20, 30, 40 years. And by the most, most of the time when we see people, they've been doing this poor breathing for, for so long. So it can have a tremendous impact right away. Yeah, and you open it up about stress. And when you talk about blood pressures, the nervous system balance, gosh, what a skill people could have to, to help their health and overall performance in their life and make them feel better. There was a sleep doctor, or I think it was a cardiovascular doctor studying sleep and he had sleep apnea and anyway, the story goes is it's impossible to have sleep apnea, snore at night if you're a truly diaphragmatic nose breather because what happens with sleep apnea, you're holding your breath, you're a mouth breather and the snoring, the same thing. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we tend to become more of a chest and mouth breather, but understanding if we can become more of a diaphragmatic nose breather that's how we're meant to breathe and it doesn't have to happen overnight no it doesn't have to happen overnight having the self-awareness versus saying you know we both know people that snore and there's reasons they snore not just because they snore <laughs> it's happening for a reason right. whether it's too much weight on your diaphragm or the habit of breathing through the mouth or you don't have the strong enough muscles in the nose, whatever it is. There could be many reasons. Right. All right, so as we wrap this up, anything else you want to share? Last little tidbit? No, I'd only say that you're breathing, you know, uh, today, a great example. Um, lady asked me some questions like, what are the exercises I need to do for stress and this and this? And I said, well, exercise is important, but it's the last thing uh, that we really have to do. The first thing that we have to do is breathe. And we have a choice, are we going to breathe a good, healthy way or an unhealthy, inefficient way? So breathing, we don't have to think about it, but if you really want to enhance and thrive, I think it's the first place we need to look from a health standpoint. And that's why we call it the lost art of breathing. Yeah, and if, if you can get to five to eight breaths on average, you're going to see a tremendous increase in your health or maybe that maintenance of optimal health that you want yeah optimal health well thanks for joining me my son and uh we'll see everybody next time have a wonderful day see ya